Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Healing Place podcast. My name is Brian Hackney, and I'm the director of the Healing Place. And uh, many of you have asked, when are you going to be releasing more episodes of the Healing Place podcast? Well, ask and ye shall receive. So I'm really excited the way we're going to open up 2023. Um, A few weeks ago, I sat down with a really good friend, Beth McGuire, and we recorded seven episodes of a podcast uh, called Beautiful Ashes. I was wanting to have Beth on my podcast, and then incidentally, she said she was going to be shooting one, so um, she asked me to be on that podcast. So we're going to release those seven episodes to start the year on the Healing Place podcast. So who is Beth McGuire? Beth is a really, really good friend um, who was one of our care coaches. And over seven years ago, she started care coaching across Timbers in the Healing Place. Uh, She became uh, one of our star care coaches, I say, and she led our divorce care ministry. And um, she has since moved to North Carolina, but she stayed in touch. And she's actually still care coaching via Zoom long distance from her home in North Carolina. Beth uh, went through a very, very public divorce, and uh, she had the life that everyone dreams of, married to kids, uh, very successful life, a successful career, a foundation that she had poured her heart and soul and passion into that was giving back to the community that they lived in at the time, and literally overnight, that all disintegrated, and um, as she went through, again, a very public divorce, and found herself on the floor, literally on the floor in the fetal position, thinking her life was over. So uh, she's written a book called Beautiful Ashes, and there's seven chapters. The first chapter is called The Floor. Uh, And in the book, she just chronicles her journey of devastation uh, and the long road to healing as she pressed into faith, pressed into family, pressed into community, and uh, silence, building intimacy with God, and ultimately now finding purpose and meaning and passion for a new mission to find men and women who find themselves in the same situation that she was in and trying to give them hope for healing. So yeah, we sat down and and recorded seven episodes, one for each chapter. We're going to be releasing them uh, every week. So without further ado, I give you Beth McGuire and Beautiful Ashes. Hi, I'm Beth, and welcome to Beautiful Ashes podcast. This is podcast number two, uh, chapter The Foundation. And we refer to this chapter as the accountability chapter. And we'll get into that here. I'm sitting alongside Victor Fadul, co-author of Beautiful Ashes, and Brian Hackney, Director of the Healing Place at Cross Timbers. Thanks, guys. We're here. We are again. Here we are again. Here we are yep. again. <laughs> On to chapter two. Yeah, chapter <laughs> time for two. some accountability. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Time for accountability. <laughs> so, this chapter. I mean, you left off in the previous podcast about how the floor is where you realize that your foundation had cracks. Yes. Um, what does that look like now? As far as what does my foundation look like? Yeah. You know, remember, remember we talked about perfectionism. It's not perfect at all. Mm-hmm. However, it is so much more solid that when the storms of life come raging on, I don't spiral to where I used to be. There is a space for me with God to trust him in that storm. 
instead of the white knuckling like I used to do and trying to control everything. I, 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 not that I don't want to do that. That might be my initial when, when all of a sudden I, something happens. But with a firm foundation built, when I am hit with a challenge, the way I respond to it is night and day. So to me, that's the biggest growth that has happened to me over the last 10 years. And it all started with me step by step building that solid foundation. What did your foundation look like at its worst? I mean, at its worst, we talked about it a little bit in the chapter, you know, where I was spiritually, where my faith was. It wasn't that it didn't exist, as we, as we say. It's just the relational part of it all and seeing the bigger picture of who really is in control and trusting the journey and the plan that God has and the ups and downs of life. And so not having that firm foundation, when something would hit me, I would spiral and I would try to control anything I could to make myself feel stable mm. and at peace. Mm. And that wreaked havoc on every aspect of my life. Mm. You know, the rule following good girl was still trying to do the right things, right? But in that process of trying to feel stable, I was sabotaging almost every relationship that I had and not knowing that even though I thought I was doing the right thing, I didn't know how to bring God into those circumstances and how to seek wise counsel, how to just sit in peace as everything is raging and understanding that he's got this mm -hmm. and I don't have to control everything. Mm -hmm. I think of, you know, you write about it, the cracks, things that are revealed when the foundation is, you know, it's not sound. Mm -hmm. um, and you talked about scripture. Is it on sand or is it on a firm foundation, an anchor, a rock, something that's solid? Um, but what, I mean, was it, was it just cracked or was it on the totally wrong slab? <laughs> I, you know, if, if you want to be honest, I think it was on the, the wrong slab in the sense that I, of the, of the slab of how I saw the worldview. Mm-hmm. You know, mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. that that the way that my life was, if, if to judge if my life was going well or not going well, it was what the world told me, mm -hmm. the, that lens. And so the, the foundation I was sitting it on was that. And so when you are in that position where you believe that you're going to get your worth, your value, all of that from what the world tells you, mm -hmm. that's gonna, that, that is not sustainable. That, that is fleeting. People will disappoint you. People will let you down. And if that is who your source is to know who you are, mm -hmm. that's the foundation that isn't healthy. So I know you had this, obviously we talked about the publicity, this public divorce mm -hmm. because of the nature of who you, know, you were right. and who you're married to and mm -hmm. all that. Um, I mean, in what way... I, I don't see you knowing you. I don't see you as ever buying into that was my foundation, like that lifestyle or that that celebrity, if yeah. you will. So that wasn't your foundation. No. So in what ways was it off? Yeah, it wasn't that because honestly, for me, that wasn't something that I was ever seeking. I, I mean, honestly, of course, I wanted to be you know financially secure and uh -huh. I wanted my family mm -hmm. to be intact and I mm -hmm. wanted to enjoy life and have, you know, just the pleasures of life. Mm -hmm. So... The foundation was just literally to me, it was just more about really what, how other people saw me, what other people thought. And that, huh. do they view me as 
a good person, as a kind person, as doing the right thing? And did I look good in other people's eyes? So because, again, of publicity, did you try to act more humble, if you will, or just make sure? Because you are a humble person. I think I was always naturally, because I didn't mm -hmm. seek that out, and that wasn't something that motivated me, Mm -hmm. I think I I really spent a lot of time trying to really show my true self in a, in a exaggerated way. Like, Hey, I'm, I'm really just this small town girl from Indiana. Yes. Yes. Like, yes. If yes, you really got there, time, yeah. if you really got to know me, I'm not about that world. Right. I'm really am just this small town girl. And I really am her. And I think, you know, that I as know well. that. Yeah. And so when and the, so, when the world yeah. would start to, to tell me who they thought I was, mm-hmm. I think I would, that was where I wanted to Hey, no, that is not who I am. Mm-hmm. My like my, my family is number one. That's all. That is who I care about, and these are my roots, and these are my belief systems. And you know that doesn't matter in the end of the day. And so mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time, I think, wanting people to see that side of me when they wanted to. They wanted to frame who they thought I was. So you were having to spend extra energy to make sure you weren't misunderstood. Like exactly. that's not who I am, right? It's well, a whole another yeah. house of cards. Uh-huh. Yeah, mm. it is. Yep. Yeah. Right, controlling. Um, Controlling people's perception of you. Yes. Um, which plays right into also con- controlling life and mm-hmm. it panning out exactly the way you want it to look. Yes. Because if if people are going to see that image, you have to uphold that image. So it, it kind of goes hand in hand. Um, so what did you do to figure out where the cracks in your foundation were? You know... That's why we call this chapter accountability, right? You really have to sit inside of your own side of the tracks of yeah. of, of breaks inside of relationships and, and the way you were living your life. And even though I know I am a good person, I am a kind person, all those things, I still had areas that God really wanted to work on my heart on. Yeah. And I had to... It's, like I said, we talked about this in the last chapter. It is easy to sit in victimhood. It really, really is. And I did that for a while. And it really beats you down when mm-hmm. you're in that space. And so if you want true freedom, it really is about owning your, yeah. your side. So for me, one of the greatest things I did because of Victor <laughs> is, and I'm going to let him tell a little bit about mm-hmm. this, how, what, what it actually means to do step four and inventory, which is out of the 12 steps of AA, which Victor, I'll let you kind of take that and tell you how you walked me through that. For listeners who don't know my story, I was walking a journey of sobriety and, you know, started the, embarked on the 12 step process. And I, for anyone out there who knows, you know, knows the process, step four is a searching and fearless moral inventory. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those kind of kick to the, you know, the gut when you go through, right? Because for me, when I was going through an inventory, it's like I wanted, I was actually kind of happy. A lot of people aren't. I'm like, ha, you're sitting on the other side of me and you're going to have to listen to me. And you're gonna, <laughs> and then you're going to commiserate. Like you're going to agree with me, sure. right? Like I'm resentful and here's how the world has wronged me. Right. And the kick to the gut was cool. Okay. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. And what part of self was like hurt or threatened and what, what could you have done differently? But then there's this, this question at the end of all of that. So disregarding all of that entirely, where are you at fault? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I remember being like, wait, what? (laughs) 
I mean, I don't, I don't Wait, get to. Were t- you not listening? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't get to talk about everything that was done wrong Wait. to me. Wait a minute. I have to disregard that. What did you yeah. fault? Yeah. yeah. Me? Yeah, exactly. No. Did you, what did they do? <laughs> exactly. What, and that's, that was one of those moments where I realized, I mean, it is a humbling moment when you're in that place yeah. because it's like, all right, now I have to face the very thing that I have been avoiding for X amount of time. Right. I mean, so funny. I just remember back to that moment, you know, I, had, I feel like I was pretty gentle in the delivery of like, Hey, this could be, Oh, this could be something that's helpful. Yeah. You should, <laughs> you, you should consider taking a look at this inventory. It's something I did super helpful. Gave you the papers. And what did I do with it? <laughs> they stayed on the floor, the back floor of the car or something like that. They were stuck somewhere. <laughs> like they between the seat or something. I well, don't know what, yeah. You made the point last time that you we want to be validated in our yeah. pain at first. And sure, you did right. that. And that's where you developed that relationship yep. and that rapport. And that is now important. she knows yeah. you I care about me. But after you've done that, that's yep. a perfect timing now to place this well-timed question. Yeah. Hey, what could you have done differently? Where yeah. where could you maybe have fault? Where, yeah. The big questions that are asked are, mm-hmm. where were you resentful, selfish, mm-hmm. dishonest, fearful? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, they talk about at some point in the past, we we placed some of the balls in motion that later placed us in a position to be hurt. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I know f- from back then, I, I remember the day when... In our culture, by the way, we'd say victim shaming, victim blaming right now. And it's that's really, right. again... This, can that happen? Sure. But that's really an immature place to be. This is such a mature place to to be able to say, what part did I play? Yeah. It, to, to not frame everything dualistically uh, saint-sinner or victim-villain. Right. That's that's a very binary, dualistic way. Richard Rohr has taught me not to think that <laughs> yeah. way. Yeah. Right? It's like we're simultaneous saint-sinner. Yes. Right? Yes. And so, and that's, I mean... Taking this way up out of the the details, but thirty thousand feet. So many of us need to know mm-hmm. that, you know, am I am I a saint or sinner? I'm both, and that simultaneity. I'm I'm usually practicing both of those at the same time. Am I the guy that's going to pass the guy with the flat, and go get out of my way, dang it, I'm late? Or am I the guy that's going to say, man, bless his heart, look, it's raining, it's cold, and stop and help him? It depends. I'm both of those guys. Yeah. It just depends on <laughs> which one's going to show up. And that, and, and we have to remember that. And yeah. it's okay, you know, to own our yep. stuff. Yeah. Well, that's mm-hmm. what the inventory reveals, right? Um, what are the character defects that stand in the way of God's usefulness of me? Um, and that's, that's a place where you came on whatever day it was where you called and said, I'm ready to do your stupid inventory. Yeah. <laughs> Because uh, why? Because what we said before. Stupid inventory. I had gotten in enough pain <laughs> to do something. To do different. something different. Yeah. And that's really what it was. The the victimhood, like I said, it mm. is a it, it will destroy you. You will become bitter, cynical, hardened heart. And I did not want to die alone, bitter. And <laughs> I just it was going to destroy everything around me. I remember those calls. I mean, there for that. For the first couple of years. For sure, at least. I mean, there were, when when you were talking about the things that would kind of set you off, I mean, it. I got kind of a front row seat to how pervasive it was in your life, just the way Walking that the enemy. Walking it out publicly was even harder because yeah, it was, it was. Everywhere. It, everywhere. I couldn't escape it. I couldn't just, and people got to know it. They got yeah. to see it. Yeah. And you, you had a lot of friends that, I, I mean, people do care and they want to be there for you and great intentions are going right. to sit alongside you and say, yeah, uh, yeah you know, yeah, and, for sure. but right. 
something started to happen. I remember even in, in me as a friend, you know, an hour phone call would go by and I can do that for so long and kind of be upset and angry, but I do have this weird motive in life of fun and an hour of a resentful Beth is not fun. (laughs) (laughs) Truth. Yeah. And you wouldn't be the only person to say that. Right. And maybe an hour or two you can take, but after three, four and days and weeks, and like you said, you get stuck in it. Yeah. And that question we talked about when Jesus, you know, said, Hey, do you, do you want to get well? Yeah. And something deep inside of bitter Beth wanted someone to ask, hey, do you want to get well? Yeah. You really, because if they don't ask that, you don't know what else to do except right. be bitter and, you and, you know, commiserate with your 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 friends who want to. Yep. But it, you, something deep inside of you wanted someone to say, hey, Beth, let's go. Which, let's move forward. Which brings us to this whole point of like how God will usher in people in your mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. And that is... To, I mean, Victor's been a great friend of mine for a long time. We have a lot of really great fun stories, but the most profound effect you had on my life is this inventory. And it was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. And and you did it with such grace with me, but firmness and a loving heart. And it was so necessary for my growth and for my healing. What's the fear? I just, sorry. Yeah. I just, no, it's it's like, that. what's the fear for someone sitting out there and your friend's gone through this horrific thing and they're, they're in a bad place and then they are in pain and you want to validate that pain. What's the fear, Victor, of being the one to say, hey, how about, how about looking at this inventory? What's, what, why would you hesitate to do that? I mean, you did, you did it at, fi- at right. some point, but what's the fear? Uh, a counseling term that I've heard, countertransference. <laughs> Um, I put myself in, in her place while also thinking back of where I was at when someone did that for me. And there is there, it's confrontational in nature. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we get into our friendship, you know, and how we became friends and everything, but you know, I, I, I knew you as, you know, Mrs. Payton, right? Like that's like, that's Mm -hmm. how I knew you going into it and our friendship you know, evolved over time, but to look at someone that I, I actually, I mean, I looked up to and be like, Hey, (laughs) (laughs) you need to do an inventory. I'm just thinking about, again, this is beautiful. I, I, every person sitting out there that has that friend that they're sitting, listening to for hours and hours. And you said, it's not fun to hear bitter Beth, but they're afraid. I'd be afraid. I'm. She's not going to like me anymore. Yeah. I'm going to lose love. She's going to say, "Well, screw you." I need to go find somebody who will listen that. and validate my pain. And and look now, what who you are in her life and what you did because right. you had that courage. Yeah, and, we wrote a book together. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> right. But in the other side of that is, I mean, walking out a, a. I'm over ten years sober now. I mean, it happened just the other day. You know, I have friends that I know from the rooms or men that I've sponsored and, you know, you present somebody with the truth, they have a choice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. By the grace of God, she made the choice to do something different than she Mm -hmm. had been doing. Mm -hmm. But I can't tell you how many people have walked away. They, They didn't want accountability. They didn't want accountability at all. And sad to say a lot of those people too, you know, are dead now that I knew. So when you ask about the fear, it's like uh, abandonment. I think of abandonment. I I think of boundaries. I think of when someone chooses to stay stuck, it's not just that they, she may not want to be my friend anymore. It's 
what boundaries am I going to have to put in place too? Because I can't, I can't get sucked in. Mm -hmm. Right. And I was what, 23 at the time too, you know, having to navigate and figure out, you know, what that looked like. Cause honestly, where the journey I was walking at the time, it was one of the safest, you know, friendships that I had at the time. Mm -hmm. So. I think too, I'm just, again, 30,000 feet, the miracle, because I wasn't in the story right. at this point, right. the miracle of this grown woman and God speaking through this kid. Yeah. But I think that's how you know it's God though, Ryan, <laughs> when, it, when it is that crazy, like our, our friendship doesn't even make sense and it really doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And I think that mm-hmm. that's why it's even more powerful of a story. And to me, that's just one of the examples of God ushering in exactly what you need. And you may miss it. Like, I might have missed the wise counsel in a 20-some-year-old kid that was a server at the country club where I used to live if I had not been in that space with God. Had I not already been where I was looking for him and looking, and I was hungry for his word. I was hungry for his comfort. And so wow. I would recognize his comfort in people like Victor, and I would gravitate to people like him. And so, but that was because my heart was open to receiving yeah. it, and that's the key, you know. Because like Victor talks, like not everybody chooses to receive it, and that's a choice. And that's mm-hmm. so I am grateful that that's why you're, I'm grateful for the floor. I'm grateful for that was God gave me that opportunity, and then from that point on, like literally ushering people, someone after you know, mm-hmm. person after person, but. That was a very profound moment for me, and it solidified, I think, our relationship, which then is also why I entrusted him to co-author this book. I mean, that's what's so, like, that's, the story just didn't end there. It is, you know, we talk about this in the book, how I always told Victor that people come into your life for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. I literally thought this was a season. (laughs) Not sure the reason, but it was just beautiful. And we share this a lot, but Mm. it starts off with even it's it's the design of the cover of the book. You know, the the orchid. It's just the story keeps going because it wasn't just this server matches your shirt. Yeah, I know. Maybe I like the color purple. (laughs) If we not figured that out yet. But what is so cool about that too is that we were linked in Mm. all areas, but. One of the, I, you know, I, obviously we know the story that I met Victor as the server where we, I used to live and he would just come over with his fun, spirited, mm-hmm. smile, warm personality and had a way of approaching my, myself and my children in just this natural way. And then over a period of time, when I was going, walking through my, my dark times, you know, he would be come over with my girlfriend that was there with me and he would just interject little things at times. And it was just this comfort. And then one day, unbeknownst to me, but somebody else that was actually at the club, Cheryl, who was also great friends with Victor, um, she just always had that bird's eye view, and she just knew that I was going struggling. And so she literally sent Victor down with this purple orchid. And mm-hmm. at the time, it wasn't even like I even processed that out, that it was going to be this cover of the book. But in the beauty of that is not only in the beauty of the human Cheryl, who mm-hmm. saw my heart and wanted to comfort me and using Victor to come down because she knew that we had become friends and I would feel safe with him. So he brings me this beautiful flower and it just happens to be my favorite color. And so I, I sat that, that um, flower in, on my window and I just would stare at that and see this beautiful God's creation that's, that's bringing me peace. And I thought, how can this plant bring me peace? There's and, such a cool little background story here yeah. too. Because I remember... When we worked there, we would kind of adopt 
you know, different families. And oh, yeah. I, I adopted them because uh-huh. uh, they would come in on family night. And that was like one of my favorite nights, pasta night. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. usually you and who and adopted kids. who? Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. Seriously. Yeah. I just remember yeah. Cheryl, cause the, the way that she worded it, it, she was always, she was always humble in her delivery mm-hmm. and was never, she would not open the door for gossip. Wouldn't it, that just wouldn't happen. Um, she, a lot like y'all that, rule following and she's just class and grace all yes, the time. Yes. And she said to me, Hey, your friend Beth's going through a lot. You should you should go take this down. And it was the orchid. And it was it was that simple and like yeah, and that look, gesture. Exactly. Where we are. Like that so, gesture. That's so think like, about that. Cheryl's obedience in that. Crazy. You know what I mean? And then not only it's an obedience mm-hmm. to God, as we if you're called, if you feel that on your heart to reach out to somebody, do it. And then Victor doing that, but then also my ability to receive it because it goes both ways. You know, God's going to show up. That's one of the ways I felt like it was he was ushering people in and things in through people, through a flower, through something that was just comforting me. And it, But it is, we have to have a softened heart to receive that. Which I was going to also say it took where I was at, what I was doing for God to even be able to use me at that point was I was going through a lot that I was seeking. And so like, I, I can tell you, I was listening to sermons by Robert Morris when I would open up the club for like an hour and then Cheryl would come down and make her coffee. And I'd be like, Cheryl, I heard this in the sermon. I don't know how I feel about it. And she <laughs> goes, well, what does God, what does God say about it? I'm like, well, but it makes me feel this way. And she's like, that's nice. But what does God say about mm. it? And, you know, we, we were having these conversations and I was being filled constantly with the word, which opened me up to be a conduit for God to work in and through to positively yes. affect her life. You, it, keep, you keep saying you have to be in that place. And again, we, we you'll hear me say it probably in every episode, enlightenment at gunpoint. Yeah. We, we think that somehow we're going to, because we love God and Jesus died for us, and so we're going to serve him and we're going to voluntarily take this thing and go get it. Right. But it's involuntarily given to us through the, the you know, what made you uh, able to receive it. It was this hell that you were experiencing, yeah. right? Yeah. And so in, in Richard Rohr's book, The Wisdom Pattern, he talks about, you know, and, and in Falling Upward, he's yeah. written another one, yeah. but, but he talks about there's construction deconstruction, reconstruction, uh, order, chaos, reorder. You, you know, you could say uh, fall, winter, spring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Biblical terms, it's life, death, and resurrection. But if you look at all those, he says he says there's no nonstop fly from box one to box yeah. three. You have to go through the chaos. You, do. you have to go through the disorder. Uh, yes. You yes. have to go through the death. There's again, you can prop up the old life, but you have to go through that middle before you ever get to this. Yeah. And look, this is news to most Christians. Again, we're trying to just white and knuckle our way and keep it all together. And he's waiting for us to die. Yeah. And that sounds so counterintuitive to people who want to be good, but again, there's shame. Yeah. And so, yeah. I, it's I why that. I can I can be grateful for the floor now. Like that's that's why I is that that most painful experience that I had. I'm I'm so because it to me that mm. it was my death. That mm. was death to self. That was death to the life that I thought I had. Mm-hmm. That was death to my plan. 
And it wasn't, in, so then that was where I got to build a new foundation, right? That's the new rebirth. That's the new, that's what doing the in Phoenix. the Phoenix rising yeah. out of those ashes. I was going to ask, that was my next question. So what do you build on, right? Because you, you want to make sure if I'm in Texas, right? Yeah. Has this house already had foundation work, yes. right? Yeah. <laughs> is, the, is the ground done moving, yeah. right? Is right. this going to be cosmetic or is this going to be plumbing issues, right? For so, sure. What do you look for now when you say, I'm going to build on this? What's the foundation? I mean, try to break down like other than God. Well, no, <laughs> like and, what does that mean? <laughs> and you know, that's what I'm, so the foundation to me is, yes, of course, God is the foundation, mm -hmm. but how do you build that on solid ground? And that truly is, number one, you do need to get in the word. You do need to understand what his word says. And I'll mm -hmm. tell you the biggest reason why is because the battle is in our mind. Mm. And it, your, the way your mind, especially me who loves to ruminate on everything, I love to overthink. If you don't know me, I'm an overthinker. And if I do not have something to replace that wrong thinking, mm -hmm. then I will continue to spiral. Mm -hmm. So the beginning of my foundation was exchanging the, that wrong thinking for God's promises. But if I don't know what his promises are, which I didn't use, I didn't know. If I didn't know what, his, what he had promised me, I didn't know how to exchange that. So for me, it really was learning his word, learning his promises and understanding that. And that was a slow process for someone who had never opened up a Bible in, in, in my 40 some yeah. years of existence at that point. And so mm. uh, for me, what God did so gently and so loving is he brought people, you know, not just Victor, but other, I, I, one of my neighbors at the time brought me to my very first Bible study during this time period. Mm -hmm. And... I'm going, I remember going, I don't, I can't do a Bible study. I've never opened a Bible. I don't know scripture. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't know what I'm doing. And she's like, just come and see. And that was one of the biggest things that happened to me in, in that Bible study was I heard God's word and I actually felt that they were for me. Like what he was saying was for me mm -hmm. and they were true. Mm -hmm. And it was something that I could start building a new foundation on was the wrong thinking that I had had that I could exchange it for. I could, and you know what? And that gradually started changing my lens. We talked about that a little bit in the last time that my worldly lens versus God's lens and learning how to shift that. Here, you've gone through this. You're, you know, you don't have it all together. You've right. gone through this hell. You've been on the floor. And yet Christianity and scripture is not making you feel ashamed and judged. It's actually speaking life to you. Absolutely. So where, how are you hearing grace? Like give me some of the messages that we're coming through. I mean, the grace was that number one, we all fall short of the glory every day. You know, God has, a, he, you know, he just loves us in our brokenness. Mm -hmm. He sees us. He, it, there's not a judgment in that. There is not, there's a humanness in us that he knows we have. And he knows that he has these, While these beautiful. You, we were yet sinners. Yes, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. we're all sinners. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no hierarchy to sin. It's not that. And, and so, and God knows that we're going to sin. And so he just so lovingly and gently wants to just bring us into his grace and say, I see you, my child. I love you. You were fearfully and wonderfully made, and I have a beautiful plan for you. You are special. You are, there, I, there is something for you on this earth. There is a reason that I knitted you in your mother's womb. All these things were just like to, to separate myself that I matter, that I have worth, and that I am not rejected. Mm -hmm. Well, and this is a really hard place after 
for instance, like after an inventory, mm-hmm. it's not the easiest place to sit and reflect on all the things that you played a role in yeah. in the demise of marriage. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's a very easy place for the enemy to come in with shame. Yes. And um, try to beat you back down and keep you stuck. Yeah. And sure. so learning the truth around how God sees you is exactly that that is the antidote to shame. Um, it's it's knowing that, yeah, you know what, I did these things and it didn't play out well. And here's what I'm going to do differently so that I get different results. Right. After you own your inventory and you can feel beat down about that. And you that is that place where you have to allow God to because He lovingly sees that. It's not a harsh judgment, credit. It's not that, but he does want you to live the heaven here on earth. He blueprinted us in his image. Yeah. He's, he made us in his image. So we always go start with Genesis 3. If you go back to Genesis 1, you know, he, he created us in his image. He said it is good. Yes. So he blueprinted Beth. And then we, you know, we, we knock out walls and we add rooms and he's, and by the time, you know, he looks, he's what, what, what? who said, who, who made this? Right. right. And it's like the master builder. You, you said, you know, he, he he wants better things for us. He didn't want you to live life with a faulty foundation. No. He, but I mean, again, if it's built on sand, it's gonna fall. So it's like, I've got to do the rebuilding. This master builder comes in and takes you back to who you were created to be mm-hmm. and blueprinted to be. Yeah. And it's you believing that, believing that, like, yes. is this good for me? Yeah. I mean, is this true? Could he really love me as I am, right. not as I should be? Right. Because I'll never be as I should be. Right. Like that grace is so extravagant and it's so scandalous, but is it true? And most of us think it's true for other people, but it could be true for me. Very true. You know? I was yeah. just thinking when you said that, I mean, there are people, there are people, you know, when describing your story have been like, well, it may have been a little bit easier for you to come out on the other, mm-hmm. the other side of this. And, um, I know even, even during the writing process, you know, we had, we had friends that kind of felt like they were in that place too. Like, well, it's different for me. Uh, something I refer, I refer to that as terminal uniqueness, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't, it, we don't have to stay stuck. And in order to build a firm foundation, we can't isolate ourselves. We can't create this unique thing that we're inside of where no one can reach in, right. speak into. Our situation is so different that nobody understands. I just, I don't want anyone listening separating themselves if they know your entire story, right? right? If they know the big life, right? To think, I'm never going to get out of this because of where I'm at, whether it be physically, mentally, financially, whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. I, mm-hmm. I don't want someone to feel like they have to have anything of the world in order to um, begin building a, a new foundation. And that's I love that, yeah. Victor. Thank you. for. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's why I wanted to highlight, exclamation point, the floor. Yeah. Like, it didn't matter where you come from, what you got. Like, when you literally say, I have nothing, I am powerless, yeah. like, I am done. You know, if something outside of me doesn't revive me, I'm, I'm right. going to remain dead. Yes. You know? Yeah. What I would say to people that are trying to work through their foundation process, it really is the first one is, again, through the inventory, but then the openness of receiving it and seeing God 
he is everywhere in everything. And it just, when you can get to that space where you are, like we talked about, empty of self, mm -hmm. then you will see him. But, in, but if you're still full of self and full of the world, you will look for things in the world, some healthy, some not so healthy, to fill that, I like to call it a God-shaped hole. We all have a God-shaped hole. And I had to learn that that was sacred for him. And I had to find avenues that were going to get me in relationship with him for him to fill that, 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 that really wounded child in me that has been there for a long time. Yeah. So getting yourself in, so that means you have to seek it. You know, you have to do, you can't just sit. There is work involved. There is work involved. Work involved. There is work yeah. involved. And for me, we said that was, you know, getting into the word, surrounding myself with like-minded people that were maybe a few steps ahead of me, you know, going to encourage me, going to pour into me, remind me who I was in Christ when I was feeling like a nothing. Mm -hmm. And that to me was what, and those are the people that came into my life that would constantly, so what was great, so I have these people in my life that I'm reading and I'm learning what God's saying, and then they would repeat the same thing. And I'm like, oh gosh, well, maybe that is true. Maybe that is for me. Mm -hmm. Like you said that, like, it. We, we think that's for somebody else, and it is for you too. And that's what I would, like somebody from me that thought, as the world thought, they thought I had it all in the world standards. But quite honestly, I was very empty in the, in the places that really matter. And that is the space of, that was the cracks in my foundation. There it is. Yeah. Good.